The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. And welcome into Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. And the first week of preseason football is in the books. There's a lot to get to, obviously. The last time you listened to us, uh, we'll have Patrick Schmidt in later in the podcast. And so, Hill, uh, thoughts from a busy weekend in the NFL? We actually got our first look at the rookie quarterbacks this year. Uh, Kyler Murray played. Daniel Jones played. We saw some Drew Locke, who's kind of like a... Dwayne Haskins. You know, third fiddle. Dwayne Haskins was playing in there. Either you jokingly tweeted out or somebody actually tweeted out. It was out. me. I think I it was you. About, like, you know, Eli's going to... Yeah. Eli's feeling yeah. the heat. But uh, what did you think about Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones? Because neither of us were too terribly high on them when they were drafted. I led my column on fan side of the Stack in the Box column on Monday morning with the review, really, of those four guys. Um, look, I watched every throw every one of them made. I watched every play they were involved in. I thought Murray was fine. He didn't make any tough throws. They were all short. They were all, I think, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. You know, check downs, screens, quick hitters. And that's fine. Uh, I don't think he learned a lot. He he showed a good arm. Uh, And with Daniel Jones, I did tweet out that if he has another series like this, Eli Manning can have his retirement ceremony at halftime. I thought Jones, of watching the four, Mm -hmm. was the most impressive in the sense that he made a couple of really tough throws. His touchdown pass, I believe it was to Benny Fowler, was a really nice corner route, put it right in the sweet spot, back corner of the end zone. Um, you know, he had poise. The Giants couldn't block at all, and he stood in there and completed every pass. So I was impressed by Jones. Again, though, look, it's one series against the second-string Jets defense. Like, <laughs> let, let, let's, not, let's not go insane. But, hey, look, you said it. It's overreaction time right now. It, you know, Dwayne Haskins throws one good pass, and people are screaming on Twitter, Dwayne Haskins season, and the next throw he gets picked off by Mac Wilson. The guy runs it back 40 yards for a touchdown. So, What did you think about Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins? Because we mentioned them, but to me they're very much kind of in a second tier of interest. Because Locke's not going to start this year. He's got no. Flacco ahead of him. Haskins is going to start because some point Case yeah. Keenum's not going to get that job. Like, I'm sorry. But, Colt McCoy might get that job. Jeez. Which is, yeah, really. That's... That's rough. But it, I if mean, Cole McCoy gets that job, does Case Keenum just retire on the spot? 
Uh, no, because if I'm Case Keenan, those checks are going to still clear. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just a shame. That is I mean, Colt McCoy. Like, I forgot he was still in the league, and then he comes it's rolling around. Like, wow. But we talked about it last week about how Jay Gruden had the highest odds to be the first head coach fired this yep. year. And you mentioned Pat Shermer throwing Daniel Jones in there to say, hey, I need some time with this guy. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be a mixture of what you describe with Pat Shermer and wanting to put Daniel Jones in there and say, all right, give me another year. This is my, my grace period, my yeah. get-out-of-jail-free card. And a situation like we had in Seattle a couple of years ago where we thought Matt Flynn was going to be the starter and then Russell Wilson's the starter. And... Here we are. Not that Haskins is going to be Wilson, but if you take a guy in the first round, you kind of wanted to be a Russell Wilson type of guy. Absolutely. And Wilson wasn't Wilson. He's was a third-round pick. Yeah. Pete Carroll stunned everybody when he did that. Obviously, he knew what he was doing. Look, when I watched Haskins, if you're just looking at the box score, you're going, ooh, two picks, didn't play well. I saw something different with Haskins. Yeah, he threw two picks, and both were ugly picks. Both of them. He hit Mac Wilson in the numbers like he was his tight end. And Greedy Williams, it was a misread of a rowdy. He sailed the ball, and Greedy Williams caught it as if it was a punt. So they were ugly. But he made some really nice throws down the boundary, down the seam. I thought Askins showed poised. The Redskins, my God, you want to talk about they can't block? (laughs) Trent Williams was watching that just laughing hysterically the entire time. I mean, my God, they could not block anybody in that game. So Haskins, the knock on him coming out of college was, yeah, Look, he's a big guy, he's athletic, but he, he doesn't have any mobility. He was actually fairly mobile in the game. So I liked what I saw from Haskins despite the two picks. Now, you can't discount two picks because you throw two picks in a game, probably going to lose. Drew Locke was the most confounding to me from the standpoint when he came out of school, when I was down at the senior bowl, everybody had talked to about Drew Locke. Yeah, he's not that accurate, but he's a big kid. He's got a big arm. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge genesis for the reason that everybody, including myself, wrote down there, hey, look, Denver is the team to watch with Drew Locke. And there were some other reasons as well, things you heard and whatnot. But you know, he fit that LA profile. Big, strong arm, going to play from the pocket. Watching him in Seattle, he didn't really show off his arm. Now, look, now that's a couple drives in one game. Yeah. I'm not trying to draw major conclusions. I'm just saying there, there weren't those throws where he was zipping the ball 20 yards over the linebacker in front of the safety. In fact, a couple times he went deep, he overthrew guys. The accuracy with Locke is going to be the big thing mm-hmm. because he's not a kid who's going to break the pocket. He's not, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson making stretch. He's going to have to win pretty much exclusively with his arm, and his accuracy was concerning. But again, you're talking about a kid who he's going to sit this year. Joe Flacco is going to play, so he has some time. But I, I thought Haskins was better than the box score. I thought Locke showed some things he has to work on. Sticking with the quarterbacks and sticking with concern, up in Philadelphia, we had Nick Foles bailing out Carson Wentz the last couple of years. I mean, bailing him out to the point of winning Super Bowl MVP. Nate Sudfeld was kind of the guy that we're like, all right, maybe he's going to be this Nick Foles replacement who's going to come in. Not necessarily to replace Wentz, but he's a nice guy to have as a backup. He goes down, he got Cody Kessler, and he got Clayton Thorson behind him in the depth chart. So now in Philadelphia... We're overreacting. It's Carson Wentz or bust. Oh, it's like definitely that. That it was that before. Like you, you want the guy you take at the top of the draft to be your franchise quarterback. Oh no, there's no question. And you're right. Look, they like Sudfeld, and so they felt at least fairly confident Sudfeld could go in there and, and you know keep him in a game, win a game. But I think it speaks to the bigger point. If Wentz isn't healthy, they're screwed. Yep. And, and that's whether Sudfeld's there or not. You know, there's no Nick Foles safety net now where if, if he's out for a month, they can survive this. They're not surviving Carson Wentz going down. Because I'll tell you right now, Nate Sudfeld, Cody Kessler, 
Clayton Thorson, who one Twitter Clayton. user said needed to be arrested while looking at him just airmail an interception. I mean, it it's just, look, let's be real. Okay, and that's not a knock on the Eagles. That's the case for most teams. Most teams don't have Nick Foles as a backup quarterback. I, I would say you could count on one hand how many teams have backups that if they're in the game, you feel legitimately like, okay, they can come in and play well and win the game. Okay, if Drew Brees goes down, it's over. If Tom Brady goes down, it's over. If Ben Roethlisberger, Patrick Mahomes, any of those guys, Aaron Rodgers, it is over. Okay, so I, I think you know, Russell Wilson as well. I, 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 you're not looking at too many teams who can handle that. But it went this year. He's been hurt two years in a row. The Sudfeld thing only brings that more into focus. If he's not on the field 16 games, yeah, Philadelphia is sunk because the defense is already really banged up. And the division, while not great, has Dallas in it. And Dallas is certainly capable of winning double-digit games. So... Yeah, if you're Philly, one's better stay upright, or you got big problems. All right, Verderam, this is a little segment we like to call straight from the source. You've got a bunch of NFL sources. You're a plugged-in insider. I'm just a doofus with a microphone. Educate me. All fair. Educate me. What do you got? What are you hearing out there? So let's start out Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott. He is still holding out the Cowboys and uh, Agent Rocky Babineau have gone back and forth. Zeke's in Cabo hanging out, and that's got to be nice to have that <laughs> yeah. life. The third preseason game is the big barometer here. Okay, if he's not back by that game, and I'm not saying playing in that game, but just if he's not in camp by that game, then you start looking into, okay, is he going to be there for the regular season? Is he going to be there for the start? Now, their start of the season is very easy. Their first three games, and I'm not saying in this order, I can't remember the exact order, but it's the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. They could win all three of those games with or without Ezekiel. In fact, they should have won all three of those games. So Zeke wants to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. He wants more than Gurley, more than Bell. And frankly, if you look at his production, he probably should get it. He's been the rushing champ two or three years. He's more important to his team as a running back than anybody else in the league. Oh, yeah. I don't even think there's an argument. Even though he's got two years left on his deal, he wants that money. The Cowboys know how valuable he is. The Cowboys are trying to keep it around Le'Veon Bell money, but my understanding is don't be shocked if Zeke ends up being the highest-paid running back in the NFL. Okay, so let's say that they, they load up Zeke's contract, which is what he wants. What does that do to the Cowboys long-term? Because now... Like, we always talk about them. Like we talked about him last week with Jason Garrett, who didn't. Have, he had very mediocre, middle of the road odds, which is on brand for, for Jason Garrett. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to him getting fired, but what do they do? Look, they got the Dak thing. They got to worry about. They've got Amari Cooper's on that team now, and then that's before we even start getting to the really important parts of this team because Zeke and Amari Cooper and Dak are all the flashy, you know, offensive weapons. But what about those de- defensive guys? What happens when uh, Leighton Van Der Esch's contract comes up in a couple of years? What happens when they pay Zeke a ton of money and they're still paying that bill a couple of years from now and they have to pay everybody else? Like, this could it's, set them it's, back. It's a great question. I think they're going to obviously be making some choices here. You've got Zeke. You've got Prescott and Cooper, who are both free agents after this year. And you've got uh, the corner, Byron Jones, Ooh, yep. who is – if he hits free agency, there's a very real chance he resets the market corner. He's that good of a player. They got choices to make. Could they sign them all? They just paid Demarcus Lawrence 104 million bucks. Forgot about that one. Yeah. You know, you're paying the offensive line a fortune. Lyle Collins also a free agent after this year. They're gonna make. They're gonna have to make the choices, and I think they're gonna go with the way that Jerry Jones always goes, which is the star system. Mm-hmm. Re up Zeke. Obviously Prescott they'll keep, and then Cooper and. 
Here's the thing, though, that's interesting. Zeke, in terms of his production at his position, is very arguably the best player in the game, so he deserves to be paid as such. Amari Cooper had eight really good games in Dallas. You could argue that, hey, he's going to repeat that, but his agent, Joel Siegel, is one of the best in the business, and the reality is, okay, they're looking for top 10 money at the position. Is he a top 10 receiver at the position? I don't know that he is, but they, but see, they're over a barrel with Cooper. You're not going to give up a first-round pick and then not pay the guy. You have to pay him. You look like idiots if you don't pay him. Prescott, though, is the hardest thing for them. Because he wasn't a first-round pick, he doesn't have the player option, or the the, uh, fifth-year option for the rookie. He's only the four-year deal. When Wentz signed for what he signed for in Philadelphia, Prescott's representation said, hey, our guys won playoff games. Our guy doesn't get hurt. Their guy, he gets hurt all the time, and he's never won anything in the playoffs. He's never been in the playoff games, or he's been hurt for the postseason. So... Prescott is not a top five quarterback, but he you better believe he's going to get paid like one. And that's where their cap gets thrown totally out of whack because they're going to have to pay a quarterback who, frankly, is probably between the 12th and 15th best quarterback in the league. They're going to have to pay him crazy money, and they're going to have to pay Cooper top 10 receiver money, even though I don't think anybody thinks Amari Cooper's a top 10 receiver, even if you think he's a very good receiver, and I think he could be. Is he top 10? Probably not. The Cowboys are paying... For position with Prescott, and and because they waited and went signed for what he signed for, and with Cooper they're paying because they have a first round pick and they will look like absolute dopes if they don't sign him. What else are you hearing out there? If you enjoy safety play in the NFL, the AFC West is going to be a division for you. Look, Nasser Adderley is coming along in Los Angeles, second round pick. He's looking to play with uh, you know alongside Derwin James. While Adderley is worth watching. There are two other rookie safeties in the AFC West who are really garnering a lot of expectation out of their own organizations right now. One is in Oakland and Jonathan Abram. Look, Abram's a hard-hitting box safety out of Mississippi State, and everybody in camp loves him. Uh, talk to some people close to that situation, and the overwhelming sentiment is, yeah, this, this kid, he's the real deal. He's the kind of guy to come down, help out in the run game, help out in the blitz, cover a tight end. Much more a strong than a free safety, but the kind of a guy who's a tone setter on the defense, something the Raiders really lacked last year after Khalil Mack, of course, got traded away. The other one is Juan Thornhill in Kansas City. There is an overwhelming sentiment coming out of Kansas City that Thornhill is not only going to play immediately, but that he's going to be an impact player for them immediately. Look, last year, the Chiefs at safety, it was one of the worst positions they had. Dan Sorensen missed half the year with a broken leg. Eric Berry missed almost the entire season, of course. Uh, they were starting just a, a handful of different guys. I mean, at one point, Ron Parker was starting most of the year for them last year at safety, who was good for them for a while uh, years ago, but had kind of been over the hill. They signed him in camp uh, when Atlanta cut him. The, the, the Chiefs had just no ability to play at that position last year. They were trotting out different guys. Jordan Lucas played. Uh, and he did an okay job. But this year, the Chiefs feel that that position between Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill is going to be an enormous strength. I feel like you've got one more in you, and I'm looking into my crystal ball, and all I can see is the very angry, confused, upset face of Bill O'Brien. Bill O, favorite of the show. He's never called in, but one of these days we'll get him to do it. The that tech, would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would be the special, a very special episode of Stacking the yeah, Box. It really would. Bill O'Brien's tell-all. But the Texans traded for Duke Johnson, which yep. they finally dump him, to their old trade partners, the Houston Texans. And it feels like, once again, it's the Cleveland Browns running all the way to the bank while the Texans are just kind of like, I guess, like this will do for now. And, and good call on that. You're right. Look, with Duke Johnson, if you missed it, Duke Johnson got traded from Cleveland to Houston for a conditional fourth-round pick next year. 
if he's active for 10 games, it turns into a third-round pick. There's no reason in the world outside of injury to think that he's not going to be active for 10 games. Yeah. Uh, you have a fourth-round pick for the guy who's going to play. And so it's going to be, in all likelihood, a third-round pick. So Houston gave up a third-round pick for a backup running back. And, look, I think Duke Johnson's fine. They got a steal. I, most people in the league look and say, that, that should have been on late day three, you know, sixth round, something like that. Mm-hmm. This is why Houston needs a general match. I can't. The bottom line is, the Texans couldn't block Hill and I right now, and now you're in a situation where let's say they want to trade. Let's say Trent Williams. The Redskins just say, "Okay, look, we, we can't bring him back. We got to move him." Well, now you don't have your pick. Now, like now you. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. You have to give up probably a, a second-round pick. Now, you could argue, well, maybe they would have had to before. Maybe they could have gotten it for third and fourth. Third, well, now yeah. you can't. Because your your conditions lock up the third round pick, so now you got to give up a second. If you do that, you have no draft next year. You have a first round pick, and then you don't pick till day three. And the Texans, by the way, two years ago didn't pick. Actually, last year technically didn't pick till day three because they gave away their second round pick just to get rid of Brock Osweiler, and and they gave the first round pick to move up for Watson, which is fine. But the Texans, I mean, year after year with this stuff, and now look, you don't even have a general manager. And teams around the league are looking at this situation going, A, let's exploit the hell out of them. Right. And B, just laughing. What are you doing? And then the other part of this, too, is, and I'll finish here. They cut Dante, uh, Dante Foreman yep. last week, running back out of Texas there a couple of years. Didn't work out. And, you know, when Schefter tweets out what happened, you know, it was obviously with the Texans' instruction of saying, hey, look, you know, part of this is he needs to grow up. Like, hey, Bill. You're the head coach. You, you know, maybe just put out a thing, you know, it didn't work. We're just cutting him. No statement. It's not like he's a 10-year vet who played on the t- Like, just cut him. You don't, have to, you don't have to trash the guy on the way out. That's just a dumb thing to do. And what it does is it pisses off his agent. Yeah. And it's going to piss off other agents if it continues to happen. And a GM would know better. But Bill, who's thinking about how he's going to screw up week seven, <laughs> you know, he doesn't know any better. So it's, it was just a dumb thing to do, but obviously of more import, trading what is probably going to be a third-round pick for a backup running back is just ludicrous. I'm, I can guarantee you, when John Dorsey got that trade offer, th- th- there was no negotiation. It was like, yeah, that sounds good. We'll do that. Let's just call that into the league office right now. So nice job. Nice job there by Bill. That's right. All right, we've got Patrick Schmidt in here now with us, author of The Schmidt List, which is one of the top five greatest things you can read on the Internet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're going to be talking about five teams that missed the playoffs last year, but they'll probably maybe make it this year. Schmidt, what do you got? Well, let's start it off in the AFC North with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, one of the uh, biggest, best football brands in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger is back. The whole Le'Veon Bell circus is behind them. It's in the rearview mirror. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, poised for a huge year. James Conner, poised for a huge encore season after last year's breakout season. This defense has really come together over the last two, three, four years with all their uh, 
uh, draft picks and and player development. So I think they are ready to reclaim the North uh, as their own. Um, you know, I think the Ravens will take a little bit of a step back uh, with Lamar Jackson as a full time starter. Um, played well, small sample size, gimmicky offense. I think it'll be a little bit more exposed. Uh, over a 16-game schedule, and as I know we will talk about in a few minutes, the Cleveland Browns, I'm buying the hype, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm just not going to have a super-sized glass of the Browns Kool-Aid, so I'm going to go with the Steelers, I think they've got a great chance to get back to the postseason. I totally agree. Uh, you know, I know, hell, you and I last year, we were all off the, <laughs> well, we, oh, we yeah. sadly, we were off the Steelers bandwagon for the year, like, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they start 7-2-1, and one, like, yeah, we're both idiots, and then they miss the playoffs. Well, we were both on the Ravens bandwagon, so, too. Yeah. We yeah, jumped we, back and forth on that it one. Was, it was a train wreck. Um, that being said, like, I agree, I think Pittsburgh's going to win that division. I, I think Pittsburgh is a classic case of addition by subtraction. They got rid of the three-ring circus that was Antonio Brown, all the drama around Le'Veon Bell. They're still really talented. Devin Bush, by the way. Yeah. Uh, don't know if anybody caught his uh, preseason opener. And, like, I, Heads up. Jesus. Ten tackles, seven solos. He was unbelievable. So he could be the guy who finally helps to fill the enormous shoes of Ryan Shazier. Um, but I'm, I'm with you all the way, Shmini. I, I think the Steelers get back in the playoffs. And I think they're the kind of team in the AFC. I, look, I don't think they're as good as – New England or Kansas City, but they're also the kind of team that you wouldn't want to face. They could have a game where they go nuts and they beat you. So I'm with you on Pittsburgh, and I'm also with you on Cleveland. I think Cleveland is is really good. I think they're interesting. Um, the thing that scares me, and I've said this a thousand times, is just I know what I'm getting with Pittsburgh in terms of they've got experience, they know how to win. Cleveland has nobody on that team that's ever won anything. And so what happens if it starts out one and three? Does Baker Mayfield tell Freddie Kitchens to get lost? Does Odell Beckham Jr. listen to anybody? I don't know. So I feel like I have more trust in Pittsburgh, even though I think Cleveland's probably the more talented team. I don't have the Steelers on my list, and we all only have one or two AFC teams on our list. My other AFC team, besides the Browns, because we're all on board with that, I think, is the Buffalo Bills. And I don't know how you guys feel about the Bills, but... They feel like the type of team that's going to get back to where they were a year ago because they make the playoffs, and as we've said on the show before, they should have won in Jacksonville. Like, they should have won that wild card game. They didn't. They kind of reset things. They have Josh Allen. One thing that we slept on on the Bears a little bit last year was the defense and just how much that would carry bad quarterback play. Mitchell Trubisky isn't the best quarterback in the league. Schmidt was on here a couple weeks ago saying that that he's the one thing that may be why they don't go deep into the playoffs. But the Bills, I feel like they have that Jaguars from a couple of years ago juice going, the Bears from last year where it's like, they got a so-so thing going on at quarterback, the offense is whatever. But defensively, I think that team's going to be really good. And that's been the one the one bright spot on that, that, that roster for the past couple of years, even with the down year last year. And when they went to the playoffs, we were like, man, this, this unit's really good. De- defense is good. Allen scares the hell out of me. Just scares the hell out of me. Yeah, they have two big wild cards there. The quarterback, obviously, Josh Allen. He was running really well towards the end of the season. Um, you know, I worry about his long-term potential. I think he'd be okay. I think he's going to be a lot better than some of the um, some of the skeptics or the critics coming into the draft or, or before he even played last year. But uh, then defense, you want to talk defense, Tremaine Edmonds. This guy yeah. has... You know, former first-round pick, high first-round pick. He's got superstar potential. If he could be the kind of do-it-all linebacker, get to the quarterback, get to the backfield, sack the running back, um, and kind of just play like, 
You know, he's all over the field. I think he's got a chance to really elevate that defense. And when you look at the division, I think there is a potential to, you know, maybe go five and one. Um, or, or no, actually, you, when you, you talk about the Dolphins and the Jets, maybe if you sweep those, mm-hmm. that's four bonus wins there, even if you lose both uh, to the Patriots, like I would imagine. Yeah. Um, there's an opportunity there to kind of pad their wins. And depending on what they do in the, you know, their outer division schedule, there's a potential for them to sneak into that nine-win territory. But uh, for me, when you start looking at some of the other teams that are on the outside looking in, the Bills still have more questions than uh, than answers for me. Before we go to the NFC, who do we think was in the playoffs a year ago in the AFC? Who will not be in this year? I'm assuming we're all kind of saying Baltimore, if we're all seeing Cleveland. and then Yeah, Baltimore is the easy choice, I would say. I'm out on I don't, them. I don't, I, don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it, but I also will say I don't know what's up with Andrew Luck. So if yeah. that's yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't count out the Colts because we just had a conversation about how you know you're one injury to your quarterback away from yep. everything the bottom falling out that is as true as ever with the Colts I mean we just lived through the last couple of years of them not having Andrew Luck and what were they nothing they were a footnote in the AFC South yeah I look at the I look at the AFC South too the Colts and the Texans I mean the the Texans are a Deshaun Watson injury away uh, from their season totally being derailed. Same thing with Andrew Luck. Luck already has the injury issue. Watson, he's healthy now, but Texans for years have had offensive line issues, and Deshaun Watson has had injury issues of his own. So uh, I'm in agreement with the Ravens. Uh, I think they're they're on the outside looking in this year. And then, yeah, for a team that could be on the outs, you know, if Andrew Luck has to start the season on the pup list. Now, I know the Colts started, I think it was 1-5 last year before they rattled off that great streak towards the end of the year to get in. But, uh, yeah, if Luck has to miss any time, I, I'm, I'm going to be out on the Colts, even though they, they've done so well over the last couple of years rebuilding that roster. They had a great draft last year, obviously. But, yeah, no luck, no playoffs. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. Look, I, um, I won't belabor the point. I think if Luck's healthy, I think Houston misses the playoffs. Mm. Um, uh, however, this calf thing, this calf strain he's had for three months that they've done – three MRIs on they can't figure out what's going on that's terrifying like at some point you start to wonder and this isn't an inside thing it's just a question a legitimate question is there something more going on with him yeah do they are they worried about his Achilles I mean we also have with Kevin Durant and I'm not saying yeah. that that's you know apples to apples I'm just saying like you know sometimes when one part of your body isn't functioning correctly it affects other parts of your body so if he's if luck isn't back by the time we do this podcast again you got to start really wondering, like, is he on the pup list? Yeah. And you look at their schedule. Their schedule early is rough. I mean, if he's not on the field for them, and I, I think Jacoby Brissett's fine as a backup. He's not Andrew Luck. So I'm with you. If Luck is not there, I think they make the playoffs. If he is there, I think they'll win the division, and I think Houston will be out. But I think we all just kind of see the same thing with Baltimore. What about the NFC? Uh, Schmitty, I'll, I'll let you uh, lead off. But the NFC seems to have uh, a wide variance of teams that could be in or out. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, one of the possible regression candidates, uh, you know, NFC playoff teams last year that could maybe miss it this year would be the Bears. So you look at the NFC North and the Minnesota Vikings, who last year at this time were really a, an overwhelming favorite to win the division. They had, mm-hmm. you know, a loaded defense, uh, a, a number of, of high draft picks that were playing prominent roles. Uh, we know they gave a ton of money to Kirk Cousins, and that really hasn't panned out. He can't. He can't beat a good team, so uh, they really have to win in spite of their quarterback. And, you know, getting Anthony Barr back was it was huge for them. 
Uh, if Dalvin Cook can play healthy, if he can play a 16-game schedule and, and carry the load of a feature back, the, the load that they expected when they, they invested a first-round pick out of uh, in him coming out of Florida State, then you know we know Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are, are studs, one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. So uh, they have pieces to win 10-11-ish games, even if Kirk Cousins is just the 17th best quarterback in the NFL. So... Uh, I look at teams that missed it last year. I think they could be a team that that sneaks in this year as a wild card winner, or maybe as a, a division winner. Yeah, we all have the Vikings on our list as teams that would, or as a team that would make the playoffs this year. I don't know. Like, I just feel like the window on the Vikings is closed. Like, the, we're st- finally starting to ask questions about Mike Zimmer. Like, his name came up at the end of last year as maybe a surprise firing candidate that wasn't totally realistic. But I mean. They have another down year again. You're going to see a ton of changes in Minnesota. And now the window's closed because Aaron Rodgers is back. I don't know what that's going to end up being with Matt LaFleur. I mean, I know what it's going to be. He's going to be the coach of the year, and it's going to be the next incarnation of, well, you've, of you've Lombardi. Been, you've been buying so, so much stock. You're about to go I've, belly up I've if that thing goes so down. many beach houses purchased with my stock in Matt LaFleur. But, like, so Aaron Rodgers is back, and he's playing with a purpose. And, you know, say what you will about Mitchell Trubisky, but the Bears' defense isn't going anywhere. Schmidt convinced me a couple weeks ago to get off the uh, bandwagon saying that they're going to regress because you take out some of the things that they lost, that linebacking core is still one of the best in football. So the Vikings aren't in the division they were a couple years ago where it was like, okay, fine, they can kind of mail it in at times. Like last year, we saw them lose at home to the Bills, and we were like, man, that's going to suck later in the year. Turns out it was one of the reasons they didn't make the playoffs. So I have the Vikings on my list because it it would feel weird if they didn't make the playoffs this year because if they don't, I think the team's going to start to look a lot different in the offseason. Well, here, here's a, th- a thing to consider with Minnesota. A lot of teams get a year like last season where they really underachieved and disappointed, and you see sweeping changes. Mm-hmm. The Vikings basically brought back the exact same team. I mean, Sheldon Richardson's gone, but that's pretty much it. Like, that team... By and large, and a lot of people thought Xavier Rhodes might go, Trey Waynes might go, Kyle Rudolph might go, uh, Anthony Barr, who actually agreed to, with the Jets and then came back. So a lot of people thought, oh, the, you know, the Vikings, they might look differently. That tells me general manager Rick Spielman really believes in that roster. Now, to me, though, in the NFC North, even more so than every other division, it's about the quarterbacks for me. Yep. Kirk Cousins, you look at the numbers, you're like, he had a really good year. But if you watched him when they played – elite competition, he struggled. The other side of it is Tony Sperano passed away last year during camp, the O-line coach. When he died, their ability to run the ball and their run schemes went with him. And you talk to people around the league, people thought that was a huge part of the reason the Vikings struggled so much. In fact, in one game, Cousins threw the ball 44 times in a row. Oof. I mean, you want to talk about no balance? That's no balance. So... I think the Vikings bounce back. I think the Vikings are more talented than the Packers are. Now, the, the Packers are the better quarterback, of course. But I think the Vikings are the better roster. I'm putting the Packers in, but I'm, i got to be honest when I say this. I, I don't have a ton of confidence in that because I just have no idea what you're getting out on the floor. And Rodgers has been banged up the last handful of years. Nobody talks about him as an injury risk. Rodgers could turn a lot. So even when he plays, it always seems like he's dealing with something. So... It's just going to be very interesting. That also to note, the NFC North, they got to play the AFC West. Yep. Those are going to be tough games for both divisions. So 
it's not going to be easy. I, I think one or the other will get it, even though I have them both on my list. It, I think it just depends on how Green Bay meshes and how Cousins plays. I also have the Atlanta Falcons on my list, and you do too, Vernon. Yep. Uh, Schmidt went rogue. He picked a couple of real wild cards, which means he's going to end up being right, and the two of us are going to have to delete yep. the tapes here saying that <laughs> where we went with this. But the Falcons are kind of the same thing to me as the Packers. Where So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush out for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. It's... Everything was supposed to come together last year for them, and then injuries just derailed the whole thing. Yeah, Devontae Freeman was hurt, like, game one, it felt, and then he tried to come back. He couldn't come back. You know, it, it just... It Keanu never worked. No, everybody got hurt in that first game, and then that was it. Their season was over. I don't know. If, again, kind of like the NFC North where it's all about the quarterback. You got Matt Ryan. I feel like that's Drew Brees' division to lose at this point. But the two of us have the Falcons on our list. Staying in that division and talking about quarterbacks, Cam Newton, what is he going to be this year? A lot of what the Panthers are hinge on him, Schmidt. What do you think about the Panthers? Yeah, I'm pivoting to the other NFC South team. I, it's, it's not going to be the Buccaneers that sneak in, but oh, God, no. the Saints, I think we're <laughs> penciling them in as a, a team. Maybe they're the number one overall seed in the NFC. But, um, yeah, Carolina, they started out 7-3, and three, I think it was, last year. And then, you know, Cam's shoulder injury just, you know, was so bad, they had a, you know, he couldn't play. Um, so the hope is that Cam is healthier this time around. Uh, Christian McCaffrey poised for... You know, maybe he he has a thousand receiving yards and a thousand rushing yards this year. Would not be surprised if he does that. Uh, the defense was a little bit in a state of transition last year. Thomas Davis begins the season suspended. He comes back. He's like 220 pounds. He's so undersized. Took him a little bit to get going. Now he's gone. So, um, you know, Luke Keekley's still there. I got a lot of faith in him. Got a lot of faith in Kawan Short on the defensive line. They invested a first round pick in Brian Burns out of Florida State to get to the quarterback. So. I think the defense will be a little bit better, but, I mean, it's all on Cam. It's all on Cam's shoulder. This guy's a former MVP, got the team to a Super Bowl in the past. So it's always been, does Cam have enough help at wide receiver? You know, that's that's maybe still a question, but I think DJ Moore is poised for a big second year. If Greg Golson can stay healthy after two injury-plagued seasons, it's a big if, but um, if those guys stay healthy, I think, you know, they're a team that, you know, can get back to that 10-win threshold. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I think Carolina has a lot of a lot of pieces. I just and you mentioned it right at the end there. I just don't know about the weapons around them. I look at Christian McCaffrey, he's terrific. But then you get into like, okay, well Devin Funches isn't great anyway and he's gone. It's DJ Moore, Greg Olson, I just don't know about the injury history. I like New Orleans and Atlanta in that division. I think those two teams fight for the division. I think the Bucks are better. Um, I just, I don't know if the defense is good enough to get into the playoffs, but I think the Buccaneers are better. I think Arians, Arians will either fix Winston or he'll get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a good thing for the Buccaneers. But who are the teams we think might miss? Uh, well, it sounds obviously. like you guys both have the Bears out if you're talking about the Vikings and the Packers. So there's not going to be three NFC North playoff teams. No. So it sounds like you guys are not necessarily buying the regression from the Bears, but maybe buying – potential win upside from the Vikings and the Packers. I 
Well, I actually feel like, look, I think one, and I, I know I put them both on there. I think one of the Vikings or Packers will get in. Yeah. And so I actually think the Bears will make the playoffs again because I, I think Nagy's a really good head coach. I love the defense. My thing is the same with everything with with the Bears. Trubisky. I mean, if if Trubisky's good, I think they're they're a Super Bowl contender. If, if Trubisky doesn't improve, I think they're a playoff team, but with a limited upside because I think in the playoffs, look, I, I lived it with Alex Smith with the Chiefs. Like at some point in the playoffs. You've got to be able to make plays. Now, I will say this about Trubisky. I was at that wild card game, and he, he was not great for the first three quarters. In the fourth quarter of that game, he played phenomenally. Um, and that game gets remembered a lot differently, obviously, if that kick is you know six inches one way. So, And a few plays before the double doink, he hits that huge throw to Allen Robinson up the right sideline to get him in position. So, he was fantastic you know, in the fourth quarter. It was quarter. A, a slog of a game. I mean, Nick Foles wasn't any good no, in the game either. He, yeah, so it was a, a defensive slugfest. I mean, Trubisky made the play when you, you needed him to. But, yeah, I mean, as the resident Bears fan here on this, you know, the Bears could be a playoff team just like they were last year with the same type of results from Trubisky last year, but it could be a one-and-done type scenario. They, the offense has to get better. We know the defense is elite, but... What is one thing that the offense does that's going to have opposing defensive coordinators, you know, up at night? You know, it's like well, David Montgomery scheme. could be good. Yep. Allen Robinson needs to be elite. He needs to be the player he was before the ACL injury when somehow Blake Bortles threw 35 touchdowns and like 14 of them <laughs> were to Allen Robinson. So I agree with you. The offense has to take a big step forward for them to be not just a playoff team, but a, a Super Bowl contender. I think, you know, in the NFC too, like we've talked about them. The NFC is funny in the sense that, like, we talked about the AFC, and none of us mentioned as a team that could miss New England or Kansas City because I think everybody feels like, well, those are the two best teams in that conference. Yeah. The Chargers are in the I think mix. the Chargers are just as much yeah. as a lock as those other two. And, I and think. that's fair. I think they are, yeah. too. Um, you know, but so you even want to throw them. So those three teams, I think most people feel like those three teams are in unless it's a besieged by injury. The NFC is a little bit different. Now, the Eagles, like, we, I think we all feel are very good, but if Wentz – can't stay healthy. We mm-hmm. talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. They're they're cooked. Yeah, they don't have foals now. They're not making the playoffs. Yeah, Nate Sudfeld's already hurt. And he's yeah. Cody Kessler is not uh, not not keeping that team afloat. The other part of this is Drew Brees last year was an MVP candidate for the first eight to ten weeks of the year. He fell off the last six weeks. Now mm-hmm. he was fine in the playoffs. They got screwed in the NFC title game. He's forty years old. You know what point does that thing start to go? That's the only issue I have with the Chargers and the Pats. Same thing. It's just. A lot of older quarterbacks. Now, again, they've still been terrific, but those are questions I have. I, I think the Saints, as good as they are, like if Breeze starts to seriously regress, it's an issue. But I, I, I think the, NFC, the NFC's got more depth in it, I believe, than the AFC. I think the AFC's more top-heavy where you've yeah. got three, maybe two, three teams that are really, really good and probably the clear favorites. With the NFC, you could make a case for you know, six, seven teams to, to represent them in the Super Bowl, let alone – Makes playoffs. Yeah, the NFC's the depth makes the NFC weird. Um, the two dying on the hill takes that I'll have is I'm not sure what to think about Seattle. But then again, everybody writes Seattle off like we did last oh, year. Oh, we thought they were going to be terrible. And, and all of a sudden, Pete Carroll's coach of the year ten games into the year because he's taken a roster of nothing and made them into a playoff team. Dallas makes me concerned as a regression candidate, because we don't know what's going on with Zeke. That goes into the season. Like, is that going to screw up the offense? Yes, it will. You never know what Jason Garrett is. A lot of questions there. Oh, I know what Jason Garrett is. Oh. I, he's, he's mediocre nonsense. Well, yeah. And that's, that, that's not what you're looking for when you're trying to make the playoffs no, consistently. No, it is not. 
I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. But if we're talking a regression candidate in the non-traditional sense of, oh, the Jaguars made the playoffs last year and then they fell off, or, oh, the Bears are going to miss the playoffs this year, I wonder what the Rams are going to be this year because everybody's hyped on them. And if we, we just talked about Mitchell Trubisky, we're talking about Carson Wentz, Jared Goff doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence when it comes to teams figuring him out. Like you mentioned being at the wild card game. You were at the Bears-Rams game earlier in the season. Yep. And the Bears figured him out. Jared real, Goff real looked quick. like me in terms of how terrified he was in the pocket that mm-hmm. game. I've never seen, like, you watch the guy. I remember watching from the press. And he, if you go back and watch the film of the game, he had a hand warmer on. And the entire game, he would stand there with, the, with his hands in the hand warmer. And then when the ball was ready to be snapped, he'd whip his hands out. And the Bears were just teeing off on that the entire game. Now, was, not, was not a fine. I've been to two Jared Goff games. The Bears game and the Super Bowl. Neither one was one that he's going to be putting on the mantle, so to speak. So I'm a little jaded, but I agree with you. Goff's got something to prove to me. Yeah, we'll wrap up uh, on this one because the Rams, I don't know what they're going to be, but I think they'll make the playoffs. The Seahawks, I feel like we don't pencil them in, and then they make the playoffs. But Schmidt's final team on his list, the final team on the Schmidt list, is from the NFC West, and it's not who you're thinking. Yeah, well, this was the team that uh, going into last year, last spring, last summer, we thought maybe this is the next big team, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. Um, When I start thinking about teams that maybe can't get back in, it's the Seahawks. We underestimated the Seahawks, like we both said. They still have Russell Wilson. They still have Wagner, you know, two of the best players at their positions, and Pete Carroll's still there, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's back. He's healthy from the ACL. We'll see. We still don't know how good this guy is, but uh, we'll see how good he is with with Shanahan. I think that offense could be a a really nice scheme and a good fit for him. Uh, It feels like they've had 10 first-round defensive linemen uh, picked over the last few years, so um, we'll see how it all gels. They had D. Ford in the offseason. I'm not sure what... uh, who their last place teams are playing, but they will have the benefit of the, the last place schedule this year or second to last third, place. Third place. Yeah, yeah. Somehow so. they weren't the worst team. That yeah. The Cardinals. Year. Yeah. Um, you so pick yeah. Second overall and you don't end up the last place schedule. Uh, so. Yeah. So I think the potential is there for them to kind of go from, you know, five win territory to nine win territory in a best case scenario. Um, and that would, that would include, you know, Todd Gurley having some serious issues with the Rams um, you know, we talk about the Rams. I'm more concerned about Todd Gurley than I am Jared Goff. You know, Jared Goff is not the first quarterback that that Bears defense made look, you know, terrible. And plus, those those conditions were, were brutal. So you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt for that one. But, um, yeah, Todd Gurley concerns me. Yeah. Um, you know, they brought in C.J. Anderson. Then they trade up to draft Daryl Henderson in the draft, the, the first or second running back taken in the draft. So that concerns me. Um, and then the Seahawks will see if they can replicate what they did last year. So I think there's a window of opportunity for them to go from, you know, five-win territory to nine-win territory. Nobody wants to take the Giants, Lions, Cards. You know, I think the, the Lions could be okay, but, uh, you know, I don't think they're they're in that upper crust where we're, we're, so we're, we're talking about shit out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. But, I, you know, I think maybe the Cowboys might be the best team that we're not really mentioning, but – were they in the playoffs last year? They were in the playoffs last oh, yeah. year. And then the they divisions. lost to the Seahawks, right? They beat Seattle. Yep. They lost oh, they beat, to the Rams. Oh, that was a game when uh, Janikowski got hurt, right? And yes. they had to go for yes. it? Yeah, I remember now. It was a, I remember yeah, that now. was a game where Brian Schottheimer called like 78 run yep. plays. Yep. And people in Seattle were just losing It's their all coming minds. back to me now. Yeah. yeah. And then they um, went up to L.A. and got 
That beat Handler. Oh. That was that was a CJ Anderson just running for daylight special yep. that entire game. But hey, Schmitty, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again next week and we'll continue our party. Thanks, fellas. All right, so the last thing we gotta talk about here is Schmidt departs the old podcast room. Uh Antonio Brown, just to quickly touch base on this because it's a it's a ridiculous ongoing story. Um so he had his grievance hearing at this point. This from my understanding, I, I believe it was reported by uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Um, I, I know Florio wrote this, and, and I, I believe I've wrote this, and certainly I've said it uh, here in other places. Like, there is no way he's winning that grievance. There is no way in a million years Antonio Brown is winning his grievance and playing with that helmet. The helmet's 10 years old. They outlaw helmets that are 10 years old anyway in the NFL because they're not deemed safe. Not to mention that the model of the helmet is now outlawed. I don't care what he says or does or threatens. He's not playing with that helmet. So at some point here, he's going to have to get over it. Now, the logical thing is to say he will just get over it. He's got $30 million coming to him. But he's Antonio Brown. How much logic is there? The other side is, and this is how I want to kind of spin this forward, then we'll wrap up. John Gruden did what he had to do, and I wrote about this in the column. He had to stick up for Antonio Brown and defend him and say, hey, look, we're here, we support him, he's our guy. At what point, at what point do the Raiders get sick and tired of dealing with Antonio Brown? Now, not, not to say they're going to cut him or anything like that. They're not, that's not going to happen. What I mean is, at what point does Gruden lose his cool and just say, look, I've had enough of this nonsense? What are we doing? Especially they're on hard knocks. Yeah. Like what if they're in a meeting room and Gruden just forgets they're on camera? And I know people say, well, how can you forget he's on camera? Well, you're on camera for a month. You, you forget about it. Things like At what point does Gruden in a meeting with Mayock on camera just go, what are we doing? This guy is, in, this guy is completely out of control. He's insubordinate. We're not going to put up with this nonsense. That is what I'm curious to see because at some juncture, that's coming. Now, it may not have happened yet. Who knows? Maybe be tomorrow's episode of Hard Knocks. You couldn't tell. But at some point, that day's coming where the Raiders are just fed up. And I mean, John Gruden is not one to baby people. Just say what you want. We make fun of him as a coach sometimes. But he's not going to put up with nonsense. This is the epitome of nonsense. So how long does Gruden toe that line of, hey, we're supportive, we're here for you? If, if Brown's not there with a week to go before week one... You've got to think that maybe a tune changes in Oakland. Yeah, this is a real push-comes-to-shove situation for John Gruden and the Raiders. Like, I, he's not done much so far in his return to Oakland to say that we no, know he, he thinks he's—he he, he knows what he's doing, because I don't think that that's the case. But it's going to be real interesting to see how he navigates this, because this could be a real defining point in this tenure. Like, we kind of joked, like you said, about— how the wheels were coming off in year one. This is something that could be some irreparable damage going on where you don't come out on the other side of this. You trade for Antonio Brown. You give him a big contract, and then you let it go off the rails like this. That sends a horrible message to everybody in the league. Everybody already thinks that the Raiders are a joke, and now they're going to do this? This isn't going to help anything. So, And then, like you said, it, it dovetails into all these other things where then you're going to have dysfunction within the front office. You're going to have dissension. You're going to have the locker room's going to be a problem. Like This is a volatile situation, and we can sit here and laugh about it. But, man, the Raiders, this is a 
big time turning point for them. And it could all end up turning out fine. Like he could show up and we'll be looking at this in a couple of weeks or in the middle of the season being like, yeah, man, that was, that was a near miss there, but I don't know how they're going to do this. They've given they- progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window, rest chin on ground. Look into distance. Bark for no reason. <laughs> Check front door, check window, check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. They've given me nothing to say that they're going to come out of this the other side, but we'll see. Last thing, Swag. I'm currently wearing a Stack in the Box podcast t-shirt. You should know that Hill right now is drinking out of a Stack in the Box podcast mug. So go to swag.fanside.com and get the Stack in the Box merchandise. It's awesome. It supports us. It supports the company. It's a great deal. And it looks dope. That's enough of my PSAs. That's plenty. Okay? We're going to be back again next Monday. Football is going to be back again come Thursday. We're going to have week two. Starters are going to play till halftime. Hopefully we all stay injury-free. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Shh. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.